Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we got some DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, specifically DraftKings to talk about by we, I mean myself. And as always joining me on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, PFF analyst Andrew Erickson, a.k.a. the Prop Prophet. Andrew, how's it going, my friend? It's going great. Damien Harris was on his way to a... Hit the over on the 59 and a half rushing yards prop, but he not only left the game once, he left the game twice with an injury. He fumbled in the end zone. He may or may not be in the Bill Belichick doghouse. I- I'm doing better than Damian Harris. I- I'll say that <laughs> as much, but uh, no, dude, I- I'm excited to talk about the week six slate. Week five was good. I was all over Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Jalen Waddle let me down and, 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 and bringing it back with uh, and doing a mini stack of. Derrick Henry and Jaguars receivers not named Jamal Agnew. Uh, who knew? Who knew? Didn't actually end up working out. So Urban Meyer, I guess, I- I'm wearing the clown mask, I guess. Answer to LaVisca Chenault versus Marvin Jones was no, as I uh, also had to find out the hard way. Hopefully uh, some of you did get that as advertised. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, bring it back with Jamar Chase start. If you had that and some of these other dudes, you were in good business last week. So as always on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Andrew and I will be going through cash and tournament lineup recommendations. For those that don't know, cash refers to head-to-heads, 50-50 formats. We don't care about roster shift. We are just trying to set the highest floor for the lineup possible. Tournaments is where we're trying to take down hundreds of thousands of people, potentially. That's where we got to get, as the kids like to call it, a little more contrarian. So, Andrew, let's kick things off with our cash quarterbacks. And I think you have two guys here, Lamar Jackson and Taylor Heineke. Based on the early builds I have done, I feel like this is the week to really build around Heineke. I mean, it makes things a lot easier because there's a lot of other options you really want to try and jam into your lineup. And, dude, I mean, the play with with Cash this whole entire time has has been Jalen Hurts. And I I honestly felt lost without him (laughs) on the the main slate. I'm I'm looking, trying to find Jalen Hurts. I'm like, oh, no, he already already played. So I'm I'm a bit caught off guard, you know, for this podcast now without Jalen Hurts because it was easy just to lock him below. Basically, I was 3-0 with Jalen Hurts and 0-2 with everyone else not named Jalen Hurts. So this is a little bit of uncharted waters for for me but Heineke you know has a similar skill set to Jalen Hurts in terms of the rushing like that's what we're looking for with the um with the quarterbacks that you roster in cash especially if you're paying down at the position and you know that was the method behind you know going after Justin Fields but he was named the starting quarterback of the Bears but unfortunately the Bears don't play fantasy and don't want Justin Fields (laughs) to run the football which makes us very very sad so that's why that didn't work out but we have a good sample size of Taylor Heineke already playing this season. He's been a top 12 quarterback in the four games that he has started this year. He really only has one bad game on his resume. And, and last week he was top five in expected fancy points. So I think that he's just, and you cannot ask for a better matchup against Mahomes on the other side with this Chiefs defense that has just shown no ability to stop anybody, any offense that they've played against. You know, they ranked dead last. In terms of fantasy points allowed, and it's not just because they face Josh Allen every week. They've every team that they faced has been able to have a productive outing. So I think Heineke at the price that he's at, under 6K, I think it just makes everything a lot easier for your roster, and especially just based on the way the slate is kind of playing out with all the salaries a little bit tighter. There's not a lot of value at, at wide receiver. I was not really able to find a ton. So you're gonna have to pay up a little bit more at wide receiver. And there's a couple other options that you can also stack with Heineke that are also good uh stacking option so i think he just makes a ton of sense even at running back i mean i know we got daryl williams and booker but hey there really isn't and we can talk we'll talk about ricky seals jones later as our 3k tight end but yeah i'm with you man going through this that was kind of my big takeaway there isn't Right now, we'll see what happens with the injuries. And as always, we go through the injuries on our Friday night edition of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. But I do think saving the salary, getting the Heineke uh, helps really the rest of the way. Four stars this year, QB 13, QB 9, QB 5. As you mentioned, the disappointing QB 23 that we would expect to be a little bit better if they redid that one a couple times. And yeah, this matchup as a whole, I mean, as tempting as it is to try to get up to Mahomes and these guys, it's just a little bit tough to do in cash. But we have the NFL's bottom two scoring defenses and the bottom two defenses of fantasy points allowed the quarterbacks playing the same game. I absolutely love it. Andrew, get ready 
for a lot of wind talk uh, this week. This game looks fine, but the Cleveland game, we're getting those 20 mile per hour wind gusts, and that is why the uh, game total has tanked about five and a half points, I believe, since opening in there. So happy wind wink, and uh, keep that in mind as we're going through the Cleveland game of things. With Heineke, it's, we're stacking them with Terry McLaurin, right? It's too easy to. I know RSJ is there, but literally, Andrew, only Devontae Adams has more targets than Scary Terry since McClung, since uh, Heineke took over. I just feel like of all guys to really stack with Heineke, we absolutely need to get Terry in there. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Again, elite usage metrics over the past couple of weeks, top five in target share, area out share, route participation over the last four weeks, and you hit the nail on the head. There is nobody on Kansas City that can stop TMC. <laughs> they have too many injuries at the other positions, and that's why we have Ricky Seals-Jones as a legitimate guy this week because the Washington football team just doesn't have a lot of other options outside of McLaurin. You know, even McKissick really hasn't seen his role expand based on a lot of the injuries they've had at the wide receiver position. Diami Brown is banged up. Curtis Samuel re-injured his groin. We don't know what, I mean, Adam Humphreys is out there, but DeAndre Carter is the one that is, you know, taking on those targets in that offense. Yeah. So I really don't even hate going, you know, double stacking in cash. Not to say that you're just investing yeah. all of your baskets in Taylor Heineke, but I mean, it's just, it makes sense with the way that the salaries are priced. Like if we're going to put Heineke, then McLaurin's probably going to have a good game. And Ricky Seals-Jones is 3K and is just, he, everything about his usage and the way that he's played and the fact that he's really just a wide receiver, just, you know, with the tight end designation, I think that it just makes a ton of sense to just double stack it even in cash formats because it's a good salary saver. Let's just stick on the cash lineup here and we'll get to tournament stuff once we're done with this since we're already talking about the rest of it. Because I think you're 100% right. I saw, you know, we we, we try to prepare, Andrew, for uh, our podcast together. So we each have our show sheet before and, you know, not to spoil your favorite stack, but getting tricky with the tight end and the flex, I think makes a lot of sense because they are just so clearly RSJ and Travis Kelsey, the top two plays of the week at tight end. Like Kelsey is a full thousand dollars, like underneath, I think, where he should be. Only 7K for yeah, Kelsey. It's cheapest he's been all year. And that's like the first thing that stuck right. out to me. I was like, 7K? <laughs> so as much as I wouldn't mind getting down to Andrews or Hawkinson or Noah Fant, and I, I think in tournaments, that's fine. And getting away from the Kelsey buying cash. First time he's been under 8K. Like, I have no idea why Kelsey is this cheap ahead of this matchup. And yeah, RSJ, what are we missing here, man? Like, the problem with him and these types of players in the past has always been usually limited usage as a tight end. Rick Seals-Jones is a converted wide receiver that the Washington football team doesn't care about him being that. They're giving him a 100% snap rate. The same snap rate that caused everyone to lose their mind about Tyler Higby and Logan Thomas earlier in this year. Like, RSJ has that in two straight games, and he looked great last week. I mean, he only had, I think it was 45 or 50 yards. He should have had, like, another 45 yards on top of that. It was like a drop snap and eligible man downfield. Heineke just gets the ball out of his hands. And you see this gazelle start running down the field, and it's like, this dude is a tight end. Like, that's what we're going with. So, yeah, man, I, in my opinion, and you look through the wide receivers that you mentioned kind of in the low – uh, low end of the price range. There's DeAndre Carter. There's a couple guys, John Ross at 3,100, Van Jefferson, 3,400. There's a couple guys, I guess you could galaxy brain your way into, but I don't like any of those guys. Out of everyone priced under 4K, just raw, straight up projections, I think I would give the nod to Ricky Seals-Jones. So yes, it feels weird having two tight ends and a cash lineup, but man, between RSJ and Kelsey, we're talking about two of the most like these guys should probably call themselves wide receivers and make more money out of the whole tight end group as it is. Yeah, the reason we don't like playing tight ends or the reason it's usually suboptimal to roster two tight ends is because tight ends run less routes than wide receivers do. They don't play as much as wide receivers do. They don't get as many targets as wide receivers do. But in this case, Kelsey gets targets and runs routes like a wide receiver. And through two weeks, RSJ has falls into that category of he's not playing a traditional tight end role. Like tight ends don't play 99% of the snaps. They don't run a route on 87% of a team's dropbacks. They don't see five end zone targets in the past two weeks. And they don't play against the Kansas City Chiefs who have allowed the most receiving yards to tight ends. It's just like the the holy trifecta of, of stats you could want to back RSJ as the tight end play of the week. And yeah, will he be really popular? Sure. But it's like, you got to play some chalk. Like whether it's tournaments or cat, like you have to play some chalk or else you're just playing bad plays. So <laughs> at tight end, it just, it's just, it's so obvious. And I think that if you just don't play RSJ, I think that you're just kind of like lighting your money on fire. Sorry. We got Heineke. 
got RSJ, Kelsey, McLaurin. Running back is where things get a little interesting because while McCaffrey is another guy that's probably just $1,000 too cheap, I mean, to see him under 9K, he was, I believe, at 10K when he actually got injured against the Texans in week three. He's too cheap. With that said, he was not spotted at the open portion of Panthers practice on Thursday. I'm sure we'll find out more information about this after the podcast that clears things up uh, per usual. But, you know, Matt Rule said on Wednesday that McCaffrey was only 50-50 to play. So right now, McCaffrey... McCaffrey, I think it'd be nice to get him in this cash lineup if we can, if we can. but with potential for limited snaps and stuff, I don't hate just going down to Eckler and Daryl Henderson. Henderson, particularly, is just egregiously underpriced. He is a legit RB1 with the workload he's getting. And for Eckler, I mean, what, overall RB2 this season? Like, he's just doing everything we could ever want. If, you, you know, if you're a fantasy analyst and you haven't mentioned his increase in uh, goal line carries, what the hell are you uh, doing out here? So... Eckler and Henderson, like even if we get good news on McCaffrey, Andrew, do you feel like you want to upend this whole lineup or are you pretty comfortable with Henderson and Eckler just locking down those top two spots? No, I think that's exactly where my eyes were drawn when I was looking at the the cash build. I, I feel okay going down to Eckler because he has a full workhorse role. Like he's a three down back. Like he's playing in a high scoring environment. He's getting goal line touches. He catches passes. And that's really what... The Ravens have given up a lot of production to is to been to pass catching backs. We saw it, Jonathan Taylor, just like rip off this seventy-yard run on a screen play. Like Eckler has that in his range of outcomes. We don't have to worry about you know some other running back coming in and stealing goal line touches from him. It's not an issue. We have we have defensive linemen picking him up to let him score. <laughs> like it's it's just like the, the floodgates are opening for Austin Eckler to just eat in the goal line. It's something that he's not been able to do to, for so many years, and now it's just. You know, defenses are just like, no, Eckler, like, it is your time to shine. Please score on us. I think that the matchup is good. The Chargers have a good matchup um, in PFF's offensive defensive line matchup chart. So I like that. And there's a lot of, there's really a lot of running backs with good matchups this week. But because of that, it's like, okay, we need to, like, turn to the usage. Who are the locked and loaded three-down bell cows that no matter of game script, so whether the Chargers are winning or losing, whether the Rams are winning or losing, like, we know it's Eckler. And we know it's Henderson, so you know that the fantasy production is going to follow those two guys. And they're both, I think, underpriced. So even if CMC is active, I guess I still feel comfortable like saving the money on Eckler because are there question marks about CMC? I think in tournaments, yeah, I'm going to play Chris McCaffrey because if he's low ro- lower roster than he usually is, then I think it makes so much sense in the world to play a guy like that who can score 30 points in his sleep. But, I mean... We saw last year when he was coming off a shoulder injury, this coaching staff went right back to him, and now it's a hamstring yeah. injury. And is it a different situation? Are they now regretting what they did last year? Because he did get re- he did get injured again. So a lot of question marks about CMC's role, and I think that you know Eckler's role is almost just as good, and he plays on a I think a better offense. So I think paying down for Eckler nine hundred bucks you save. I think it's fine in cash. And looking at, I mean, you, you, if you look at the DraftKings, like just top, top end range of the running backs, you're going to see a lot of Qs oh, and yeah. a D there for uh, Saquon. <laughs> I would just say, relax a little bit. We need to see what's going on with this McCaffrey potential midweek downgrade. That's not good. But otherwise, all these guys, Dalvin's been practicing. Aaron Jones is expected to be fine. Chubb, Zeke. Gibson, Mixon, Swift, Madison, all these guys are expected to play. I would say out of this whole group, Saquon is the only one that you really should not be expecting to be out there. So again, check out the Friday edition of the pod and we will go through all the injuries and figure out what's going on with there. So Andrew, in this early week cash build, we got Heineke stacked with McLaurin RSJ. We're throwing in Kelsey in the flex. We got Henderson and Eckler holding down the RB spots. We got to save some cash somewhere. I think it's with the Lions at 2,100 on defense, right? Because Cincinnati, yeah, I we'll talk about like some of the tournament plays. I could see Mixon and some guys having a good week here. I'm not trying to hype up Detroit, but hey, they're a defense that we have at least seen play a little bit better in past weeks. Have a, you know, when Hollywood Brown's going to drop all those touchdowns against them, it's a little bit easier to limit some points. But at least we have a team that continues to play awfully hard under Dan Campbell. They're home against the Cincinnati offense that, again, is good, but I wouldn't exactly crown them in the same way as the Chargers, the Chiefs, some of these other juggernauts in the AFC. So are you good with the Lions? Because out of these other cheaper defenses, I just think they're all facing much better offenses or it's like you know a terrible defense as well i guess we have houston at 2200 detroit versus houston andrew that's our question i'm still i'm still on detroit i I think that you know a cool stat i found on pff premium stats which i had not ever really discovered before was uh percentage of pressures turned into sacks 
Uh, it's a quarterback set that we have that you can go check out. And Joe Burrow actually ranks third in the NFL in that category. So when he is pressured, he gets those pressures turned into sacks at the third highest rate in the NFL. And if you look at the Lions pressure rate, it's it's average. It's not like out of this world. They're not a top five pressure unit, but they're also not like the Tennessee Titans where they're just like, they can't generate pressure at all. And that's why teams just rip them to shreds. So I think the Lions defense is not nearly as bad as their $2,100 price tag would indicate. I think they're fine. And like you said, you know, these guys play for Dan Campbell. They want to not, they want to win a game. Like they're sick of losing. They, they want to, to win a game and not go, you know, zero and 17, which would be worse than when they went 0 and 16, you know, so many years ago. So I think that they're going to bring some fight in this game. Again, I don't think that's a smash spot for the Detroit Lions DST, but you got to save salary somewhere. And I think the Bengals offense is, is like you said, good, but it's not like, oh my God, they're going to score 50 points in the Lions. Like right. what's going on? I think that the Lions are definitely fine and they can return the cheap investment. And Houston is enticing at 2,200, but I just think that, I, I think I should save the extra 100 with the Lions. Yeah, I'll give Wentz a little credit. 400 yards against the Ravens. You know, he does seem to be getting healthier. Might end up getting more sacks out of Burrow. Wentz, to his credit this year, I haven't checked the updated numbers this week, but before last week, he did not have a single turnover-worthy play as a passer. Like, he hasn't done great this year, but he's at least limited some of those boneheaded mistakes that were becoming a weekly occurrence. So, yeah, I think Detroit over Houston is the move. This leaves us with just a little over 11K left to fill out two wide receiver spots. I think Michael Pittman at 5,500 makes a lot of sense. The dude's getting six catches per week. Smashable matchup against the Texans. And we got to see if T.Y. Houghton comes back, as we know. Hilton once wore a clown mask before a legit playoff game against the Texas and then proceeded to go out there and ball out. So I think Pittman would still be fine if Hilton's back. But again, in Indy, it's just always been a problem of having too many mouths to feed. So that wouldn't be ideal. In that case, I might try to get up to Brandon Cooks. We also got Jacoby Myers there at 5,500, who at some point you would like to think will find uh, the end zone in his NFL career. Not entirely sure, but you would like to uh, believe that could happen. He's in that range as well. So, Andrew, are you just kind of planning on picking off a couple of these 5K guys? Or I noticed you did have Amon. St. Brown here listed. Would you rather try to go a little bit lower so then you can use the last spot to get up to the 6K guys? Well, I will say in defense of Jacoby Myers, I think that his pace of not scoring touchdowns is basically equal to that of Zach Ertz not breaking a tackle. So on Thursday <laughs> night, we see Zach Ertz break a tackle. It means Jacoby Myers is scoring a touchdown on Sunday. I that, like it. That's that, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that That is the sign. So that game's already in the book. So people will know already whether Jacoby Myers is scoring this week based on if Zach Ertz broke a tackle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I agree with the 5K receivers, Pittman, Cooks, Marquise Brown is a little bit up there at 5.9, Myers. But I also kind of like T. Higgins and Tim Patrick. Those are the other two names that kind of stand out. Tim Patrick was heavily involved last week. You know, with him, it's interesting because he's always produced, but he's always kind of been on low volume. He's always been able to score a touchdown or catch a long pass. But this past week, he actually saw nine targets. Like, he saw a lot of volume for the first time. So I don't. I like him. And T. Higgins also had a pretty productive game target-wise. Like, the, the yards weren't there, and Jamar Chase kind of stole the show. It was T. Higgins' first game back from his injury. But he still saw steady volume. It seems like, again, at least the way that the Bengals are doing it right now, they're not throwing a ton. So it really only seems like two pass catches are really kind of viable options. Chase is getting so much done, even on low volume, that I still think Higgins has a chance to eat against this Lions defense that the secondary I'm not afraid of the secondary at all so I think T Higgins makes sense and I know you brought up for me Hamar Ross St. Brown and it's because he's emerging as the number one wide receiver on the Detroit Lions it feels gross but <laughs> there is no Tyra Williams there is no Quintus Cephas now and Hamar Ross St. Brown for two straight weeks led the Lions in targets receptions receiving yards and for for two weeks in a row and he ran around on 77% of Jared Goff's dropbacks in week five. So it's not just his targets are increasing at an unsustainable rate. He's playing more and his routes run are going up. So there's a reason why he's getting more involved. So again, he's at 4,200. It's PPR scoring. Again, if this was like FanDuel or Yahoo where it's half point, it might be tougher to get behind Amon Ra because he's probably not going to score a touchdown. But I think that he makes a lot of sense at 4.2 so you can get in another better wide receiver uh, with whatever money you have left over. 
I think that's where it's going to come down to preference and then just kind of seeing how things shake out over the weekend. Because if you want to go down to Amonra, you can get up to CD or Jamar Chase and really get one of those top guys, Keenan Allen, if you feel more com comfortable with someone like that, or just take a couple of the guys in the 5K range as well. So a lot of options there. Again, it's just going to... Going too far down anywhere else to try to get up any higher at wide receiver, I feel like you're just sacrificing too much. But I really like this uh, current shell. Again, people, Heineke stacked with McLaurin, RSJ. Bringing it back with Kelsey, Henderson, and Eckler as our RBs. Detroit Lions defense to save some cash. And then users' preference on the final two wide receivers. Effective stuff, Andrew. And that's enough cash talk. Let's talk about winning some tournaments Woo! now. I see Patrick Mahomes. I see Joe Burrow. Which one of these guys are you most confident in, I guess, trying to go against the grain, and who would you like to be stacking them with? I, let's talk more Burrow. I think everyone can kind of understand how Mahomes and company might uh, go off in this spot. But with Burrow, I mean, you mentioned the lack of volume. They haven't thrown the ball a little bit more lately, but between Chase kind of just really getting most of the production there, you mentioned Higgins. Burrow, Chase, Higgins, is that kind of what you're looking at? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to double stack. And I mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown as a bring-back option. You have DeAndre Swift who seems like he just doesn't get moved in the price. And that means people yeah. just aren't people aren't playing DeAndre Swift because the DraftKings prices, the algorithm, the way it works, moves more on roster ship rather than, you know, actually how a player produced because they're trying to base these salaries on we want people to play these players at because if a player is priced incorrectly, then they don't get played necessarily, they get played too much. So that's that's kind of like DraftKings indicator to change the price. And and Swift has just been around that six thousand range because people just haven't been playing him enough because he just I don't know he scores like 20 points a game and it's just not good enough for people I guess to play him because he plays for the Lions and people just don't like to play him for the Lions even though it's like the perfect team for him to be on because it highlights his ability as a pass catching back so there's really easy ways to stack this game and like you mentioned the Bengals did throw more last week we saw their pass play rate on early downs jump to 63 percent which was top 10 on the week which was significantly higher than it was the previous four weeks of the season where it was at 46%, which was down like with the New Orleans Saints. Like they were not throwing the ball at all in neutral game script on early down. So I, I like that Burrow saw season highs and dropbacks and pass attempts and that's excluding overtime. So don't at me. I, I made you to exclude overtime for that specific reason. So I, I think that he makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Lions matchup is absolutely great. They were last in Pass play percentage of explosive plays, lasting yards per attempt allowed this season. And if you actually take a gander at the PFF projections, which I, I like to reference every now and again, they freaking love Joe Burrow. I don't know if Kevin Cole is just like boosting these Bengals <laughs> or something, but they, I mean, his projections are off the charts in like Boyd. I mean, if you just pull up the lineup optimizer, the top three values are Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. Like it's just all Bengals. So again, you know, the projections are looking at a median outcome and to see the median outcome so high, for these Bengals, I just I just can't ignore it. So I think Burrow makes a lot of sense. And because, you know, last week he was good, not great. Yeah. So people may be less inclined to go back to him. But I mean, so like, look, it's the Lions, people. It's like, you just you just go onslaught against the Detroit Lions and good things happen. Quick update from NFL Network's Ian Rapport. Christian McCaffrey, officially a DNP. We're going to need Joe Brady or Matt Rule to come out and say specifically this was planned, a rest day. Otherwise, we need to assume setback not looking good. Where is Chuba price now? Because that 5.9. 5 5 I, I for sure still want Henderson over Chuba. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that changes too much. We will reserve the right to uh, change things as new information continues to come to the table. I like the Burrow call. I think we can get off of some of these potentially chalkier running backs. Speaking of Chuba and or CMC, why not a little Sammy Darnold? 6,100 going up against maybe the single worst pair of cornerbacks in the NFL. I am a little concerned about the Neil Hunter and company really wreaking havoc in that backfield. Darnold is popping as someone that could be under a lot of pressure. But hey, he's only one week removed from finishing as the single highest scoring quarterback of the week. And he was even the QB7 all the way back in week three. So DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson with Sammy Darnold, particularly if McCaffrey is now and we're expecting maybe more of a, you know, 
let's go throw the ball around the yard uh, type of game plan. I do think Darnold and those receivers makes a lot of sense. And also, Justin Herbert with his receivers because Baltimore, I still think people are just giving this defense too much credit. We just saw Wentz go for over 400 against them. I understand a lot of that was Jonathan Taylor just being a monster in the open field. But hey, yards are yards. We don't care about style points. And Herbert, having Mike, having Keaton, having Eckler to throw the ball to, I just think the ceiling is the roof for him really on a weekly basis. So if Eckler's going to be drawing a ton of roster ship, don't be afraid to go with Herbert. Big Mike, who is expensive, but because of that, people aren't really going to be trying to get him all the way up to him. Bit with Big Mike and Keenan, and you're talking about one of the more talented quarterbacks in the game with two wide receivers that between them should have a target total starting with two. Now running back. Again, we just need to find out what's going on with Chris McCaffrey more. But Andrew, I think the one I agree with on, on you the most Joe Mixon, 6,400. We got Samaji Pirine on the you know injured COVID list right now. And honestly, just seeing Mixon limited on Wednesday has such a big step up from last week. And he looked fine in the game. I was almost like kind of mad they didn't use him more when he sent that poor Packers defender to the shadow realm on that touchdown run. I was like, he looks as good as he has all year. Like maybe Mixon stack it with the Bengals defense, knowing that you know Jared Goff isn't exactly the most uh, immune player in the league to sacks and turnovers. I think that could be a great way. Not not saying all these Bengals, the passing game guys are going to be super chalky, but going with Mixon in that Bengals D, I think, helps go against the grain a little bit in terms of what people might be looking at in this matchup. I love Mixon. Sub 7% roster ship the last time that I checked the website projections for roster ship, and people just hate Joe Mixon. They just don't want to play him. They, they, they just want to see him fail, and this was how it was during redraft season. Just people like, nah, like, I'm not playing Joe Mixon. Now he got hurt. And the fact that, like you mentioned, P. Ryan is not, I don't think P. Ryan's going to play. Like he's been on, they already talked about elevating Chris Evans to the RB2 slot, who played a total of seven snaps last week. I mean, they started basically a injured Joe Mixon over Chris Evans last week. And I think the fact that, I mean, if Mixon hadn't played last week, I'd feel less bullish about, you know, thrusting him out there. But guys, it's the Lions. They've given up over 22 PPR points to three different running backs this year. You know, we, David Montgomery had a big game against them. We just saw Alexander Madison have a big game against them. Aaron Jones had a 40-point game against them. Like, this is the spot. And to see him under sub 7%, it's like, I'm going to play him in all my tournaments if he's going to stay this low roster. Like, I don't care. Like, yes, the injury thing is always a concern. But, you know, we're locking Daryl Henderson into our cash lineups. And that dude is, like, friggin' fragile. And <laughs> so, like, injuries happen to running backs all the time. So, you can't just fade a guy because, oh, I think that he's going not to be 100%. He already played. Like, we already saw him play in an NFL game, and he was fine. So I think Mixon makes way too much sense. And the fact that P. Ryan is not even going to play, I think it's just an underlying reason to just back Mixon even more. Another running back in that range I think you can feasibly get to, get off the Swift, get off the Henderson chalk. Josh Jacobs, not the most ideal spot in Denver. We do have some questions in this post-Gruden offense, what if the roles are going to be changing and stuff. But so far, he survived Kenyon Drake. He survived Jalen Richard. If we find out he is still the featured workhorse without Gruden there and with Peyton Barber back, which is not a guarantee on the latter uh, note at least, he is going to be someone, I think, high up in the 6K sooner rather than later. Cool stat from Jared Smola, who's always an enjoyable Twitter follow, is that the 10 targets that Jacobs has had over the last two weeks, his most ever in his career over a two-game stretch. Like, that's always been the problem for Jacobs. We have these games where the Raiders get up and they decide to give him the ball 20-plus times. The last two weeks, they've been getting killed for the most part, and he still found a way to rack up 18 and 20 combined carries and targets. So, yeah, it might not be the prettiest, but again, style points don't matter in fantasy land. And again, just in fan, you know, being able to get off that chalk to Jacob. So I think you could even stack with the Raiders defense reasonably enough. Makes sense there. And I got to grow some before we leave this, Andrew. What about the one guy going under the radar in this entire Washington Kansas City game? Everyone's least favorite RB2 in the league, JD McKissick. Week one, RB77. Week two, RB7. Week three, RB46. Week four, RB14. Week five, RB68. The pattern's clear, Andrew. We just got to play the guy on even number of weeks. It's week six. It's that easy. And oh, hey, there's seven-point dogs in a game that has the single highest game total of the week. If there is a week where we could expect McKissick to be out there more than ever, rack up eight to ten stupid targets that we wish were going to Antonio Gibson, this seems like the spot. 100%. 
J.D. McKissick makes a ton of sense going up against Kansas City. You see Washington trailing in this game. Washington also has banged up receivers. They're looking for options to throw the ball to. And people don't people hate J.D. McKissick because we love Antonio Gibson. So there's just a lot of things, a lot of factors at play that play into McKissick's ceiling. And you'd be surprised. Like, we see running backs with these pass-catching backgrounds finishing win- tournament-winning lives all the time. And it's because they yeah. see, oh, they have... 10 catches. You know, Miles Gaskin was like the RB2 after being literally you're gone. Like, Gonzo, like, in the grave, done. And, oh, man, now he's RB1 because he's had 10 catches and two touchdowns. So, I love that J.D. McKissick call. Like, there's this fallacy that these scat backs, like, don't have upside because they're not getting 20 carries a game. On FanDuel and other non-full point-per-reception sites, I get that. Like, we saw this last year, too. I pulled up. We have this awesome page on pff.com that just literally shows it's a grid, and it shows their just weekly finish among the position. And even looking at last year, in his last eight games, he had four finishes inside the top eight, and he had another top 12 one in there. Like, okay, there will be games where McKissick – like, and it could happen. If the football team was able to get a little bit of a lead – your turn, your lineups with McKissick will inevitably look terrible if he's only going to get four or five touches. But again, trying to go against the grain here, I think J.D. McKissick is a smart way. Stack your Mahomes with Kelsey and Tyreek, and instead of bringing it back with Terry or these other guys, RSJ, take a long look at J.D. McKissick as well. Anyone else you want to talk about here, Andrew? Uh, main thoughts on Kareem Hunt or anything? Yeah, just Kareem Hunt. So I'm glad you brought up the wind element of play i I didn't know that was a a thing until so yeah just real quick it's not miserable usually 20 miles per hour is the mark in wind that we were concerned with precipitation historically really doesn't matter it's wind that we see passing games fall off a cliff and 20 miles per hour is where we get concerned it's 18 19 20 miles per hour in cleveland throughout the early parts of the afternoon so hopefully the forecast clears up before sunday but yes this is the week to pay attention to that weather well, I would guess that the Browns are probably going to want to run the ball anyway on, on the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are have a pretty good pass defense. They've been pretty good at coverage this year. They've graded really well for PFF. Their top five coverage unit, top five pass rush unit, but they rank 31st in PFF run defense. So, I mean, I think it's just going to be more of the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt show. But the reason I like the spin on Kareem Hunt is not only does he benefit from the same matchup as Chubb, he's significantly cheaper and... If Cleveland falls behind against the Cardinals, which, again, you could definitely see playing out, the Arizona has a really good offense, it's going to be Hunt in the game catching passes for Baker Mayfield. Hunt is a 29% target rate per route run, which is top five in the league at the running back position. So he's getting peppered with targets by Baker Mayfield because Mayfield is not throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. So it's Kareem Hunt. So I think Kareem Hunt is like, like he if he just wasn't like a backup running back, you know, quote-unquote backup running back, I would also feel like he's like, would be cash viable because the matchup is so good and he is so involved in this offense and he is game script proof because we see him get the targets in this offense so especially now that you mentioned that there's wind concerns i just would see like the browns like all right well we weren't throwing the ball to obj anyway like let's just give it to hunt let's give it to chubb because i think that's where the matchup advantage is in the first place against the arizona cardinals so and i guess one thing as well so kyler murray the shoulder injury thing is this exactly like what happened last year, and that's why he's not running? I know this is a newer injury, but this is what we saw play out last year. I know we didn't talk about Murray when the quarterbacks, and usually we always talk about Kyler as a guy you can lock and load because of his rushing, but he didn't run last week, and he has a shoulder injury, and that's exactly kind of what happened last year. So I kind of had a you know a moment of thinking, like, wait a minute, like is this like a red flag for, for Kyler Murray in DFS and in season long? Yeah, I mean, I'm not super on, I guess we didn't talk about Kyler much. It's just with the wind, with the Browns and Miles Garrett, proving that they can be a defense good enough to actually kind of wreck some game plans. I'm just kind of fine either going up, you know, 400 more dollars to Mahomes or going down, messing around with Herbert and those guys like we talked about. So it's a fair point, man, because we did see that really turn him from a freaking world beater in fantasy land to someone that was more of just a low end QB one. If that there moving forward. So great point on that. Andrew we will need to monitor that. I know he said in the off season that he was wanting to run less. And I think we saw that trend even in the first few weeks of the year. So, you know, good point. And we will uh, keep that in mind. Moving on to the wide receiver position. There are, some receivers in this game that in tournaments I'm okay getting exposure to. Just because there's win doesn't mean we're not going to have some passing yards in there, but that's why in cash when we're trying to be safer, uh, it might be a situation to avoid. 
How about Rondale Moore at 4.6K, Andrew? He just had his best usage of the season. Max Williams is out their tight end. That was the only reason why we weren't seeing more four wide receiver sets and he was eating in the Christian Kirk anyway so yes I wish AJ Green was just out of the picture that's not the reality we live in but hey if Edmonds is still a little bit banged up with his own shoulder injury Kyler's banged up we've seen them be willing to give Rondale rushes and my goodness if there's anyone out there that can make the most out of eight to ten touches it is Rondale Moore so honestly I, I kind of love all the wide receivers in this game Rondale DeAndre Hopkins at 7.8k is just being ignored uh Dwayne brought up a really good point on a podcast earlier this week Hopkins target share is fine it's still at a very high level the problem has been other than that Vikings game and even then that was more Minnesota coming back than this like back and forth shootout the Cardinals have just had one game where they've been playing with a lead after another so if Cleveland can finally force Kyler and company to throw the ball more that could be what leads to the eruption spot that we've kind of been waiting for with DeAndre Hopkins and finally what if Andrew what if OBJ this is the week we can say this every week but man I was just going back I was looking at his routes in the Chargers game, seeing if he was getting open or if I'm just, you know, being a sucker here, not, uh, you know, just not being a good fantasy analyst for all the people. No, I'm, we are right. He is wide open. I got put a clip out there. Four plays where Baker could have taken a deep downfield shot, and I think Beckham would have had a great chance to catch it with the ball. You know, you can say it wasn't the read he was looking at, defender change because of this or that. I'm not going to pretend like I know every single thing going through Baker's minds on these passes, but OBJ, we've seen the snaps increase every week. He is going to get his eventually, and against this Cardinals secondary, who is good, but I think they more so have been benefiting from Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt wreaking a lot of havoc at the line of scrimmage. I do think Beckham can win against them, as I think he can generally win against pretty much anyone when he is right. So OBJ, Hopkins, Rondale, again, more in tournaments. I'm interested in this game. Now, Andrew, one of your wide receivers I particularly love because he's with my GPP quarterback, Robbie Anderson. We've seen the usage over the last two weeks. Maybe this is the week he actually hauls in one of those deep targets. Yeah, Robbie Anderson has 19 targets and over 250 air yards over the last two weeks. So, again, with OBJ, OBJ's not even getting that. Like, he's out there just getting open, but it's not Wind sprints for OBJ. Yeah, wind sprints. But Robbie Anderson is getting, like, the targets and the air yards. Like, it's there, and those are all things that we've seen time and time again lead to fantasy production. I know that he was... Bursting out on the sideline, just being frustrated about how he was being used in the offense. And uh, apparently he's talked to Sam Darnold. Again, we, we saw kind of, he, he already had the squeaky wheel game. Like he had that 11 target game in week four and just the production was not there. But I mean, I, I'm going to back probably Robbie Anderson first before I go back to OBJ because at least I see the targets in the air yards present. So I think that Anderson makes a lot of sense at 4.8K. He's one of the only receivers really below that 5K range besides the, some of the Cardinals guys that you had mentioned that I really feel, you know, it really feels gross, honestly. You know, when you're playing GPPs, you, get, you have to make your line be like, you know what? I'm okay with feeling not comfortable with this lineup because <laughs> chances are when you look, because when you look at the winning lineups, they're never necessarily perfect lineups. And there's always something uncomfortable about them, the way that they're shaped or the way that they're built. But that's what you got to do. You got to get weird sometimes. And I'm getting mm -hmm. weird with Robbie Anderson. No, you're 100% right, man. Every single Sunday is the same. One o'clock comes around, and I'm like, hey, this is the week. I worked hard the whole time. I know exactly what's going to happen, and everything is going to be good. Every now and then, we make it to like 110, 115 before that all gets uh, thrown out the window. But yeah, crazy things happen. And if you want to differentiate yourself, stuff like this is the easiest way out. Like, I'm, you know, I got my entire start in DFS and all this from working with Fantasy Labs and co-founder Jonathan Bales you know one of the best tournament players really in the world at this type of stuff and the way he was he, he would really do a good job of showing his uh, results in different graphs and one of the big points he made that stuck with me is that the top tournament players in the world um, they finish obviously in the top 10% of tournaments far more often than the normal person. That's why they're a top tournament player. But they also finish in the bottom 10% twice as often as the normal person. So it truly is like Ricky Bobby first or last mindset in these tournaments. Like who gives a shit if you can finish, you know, 600th in a tournament you want to try to go get that money at the top and especially the way the Millie maker in some of these uh, tournaments are broken down with, you know, I don't think the best sort of 
tiers of uh, payouts, I do think, yeah, just if it looks ugly, that might not even be the worst thing in the world. But you did bring it up earlier, Andrew. You don't just want to play bad plays to play bad plays. Got to try to find that mix when we can. And I do think we've pretty much talked about most of these other receivers. Terry, Tyreek. Keep an eye on Tyreek's quad. He has not been practicing this week. But if that's going to reduce his roster ship, happy to take that discount. Um, T. Higgins, you talked about before. I like this Brian Edwards call because even though he had a, he had a big drop last week on what was like a surprisingly good off script play from Derek Carr, not hitting on Derek Carr, but we all know he's not that good when he starts scrambling around, hit Edwards in the hands, couldn't come down with it. And then the pretty much, I don't think it was the last play, but it was the last play when the Raiders still had a chance to win. Derek Carr overthrows open Edwards streaking down the middle of the field. So if there was going to be a receiver under 4K, Andrew, I do think Brian Edwards has a strong case to be that guy, pal. Yeah, he saw a lot of high-value targets. I do the report every single week looking at you know who's seeing the air yard targets, who's seeing the end zone targets, and Brian Edwards was kind of popping in all cylinders in, that, in those categories. Four targets of 20-plus air yards. He had 30% air yard share, two end zone targets. And the thing that with him is different from Ruggs is Ruggs had kind of like similar high value touches, you know, the, a week ago, but then he got priced up significantly. Like he was up at like 5.6K, so it made him a lot harder to play. Whereas Brian Edwards has really not moved by despite kind of seeing those same types of high value targets and touches uh, this past week. So he's at 3.6. Again, he's a guy that you can think about using even like a late swap because they are one of the three late games is the Raiders and the Broncos. I know there's only three late games in the late window. So if you are dead, basically, and you're like, oh, I need some upside, I need a low-owned play, I think Brian Edwards makes a lot of sense as a pivot off some of these more chalkier players in the late window. Quickly on tight ends. Again, it's Kelsey at the top, RSJ at the bottom. And it really is Kelsey if you can get there because, again, that price tag is $1,000 cheaper uh, than it should be. So I'm not saying Darren Waller couldn't have a great week, but really $400 between Waller and, like, no, it should be $1,400 between those two. If you do want to get off Kelsey, which is fine in tournaments, uh, I do think going down to the Andrews, Hawkinson, and Noah Fant. I mean, to me, those are the big three guys we should be looking at in tourneys. Chargers, great secondary. Single worst defense and fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends. I think in Derwin and I would need to go review all this play so if I'm if I'm being an idiot here feel free to call me out but like one of the things Brandon Staley said about Derwin James stuck with me where he said Derwin was playing five different positions. He's setting the defense. He's doing all these things. I think as a rookie, he was just more being used as like a tight end stopper. And that's why we saw these big problems against the Chargers. But whatever it is, man, because like I know Derwin's playing great. He's not the problem for this is why I'm trying to go through this. Kelsey went for 104. David Njoku went for 150 in a touchdown. Waller went for 50 in a touchdown. Logan Thomas went for 30 in a touchdown. So they've just been getting thrashed. And whether it's the scheme thing or if it's just been a little bit lucky, whatever it is, we know Mark Andrews can ball out against any defense because he's Lamar Jackson's at worst 1B receiver during any given week and to see him only at 5200 how much higher would this be if the salaries were out after Monday night and he just had that bonkers game so you know it's legal for guys to have two straight games in a row Mark Andrews is awfully underpriced at 5200 Hawkinson 5,000. I would just rather go up to Andrews unless there's this huge roster ship difference in him. He is playing banged up, but I also expect him to get back to balling here sooner rather than later. And then finally, Noah Fant, who, yes, last week didn't go well. We were on him then as well, but the just uses that he's had with Albert O on IR will continue to persist, and it's just hard to find every down talent at the position. So Kelsey and RSJ for sure, but out of that other group, Andrew, particularly Andrews <laughs> and uh, Noah Fant, I think make a lot of sense in tournaments. Yeah, I think that the tight end approach, like you said, Kelsey, RSJ, basically in every type of line that you're building, basically doesn't doesn't matter if you're game stacking or not. I think that that's the move with the tight end position in general. Like you want to add it to a stack because a lot of a lot of tight end production is just tied to touchdowns anyway. Like that's really you know if you catch a touchdown, boom, you have a top five tight end on the week. Great job. And if you have that connected with the quarterback that you're rostering, or he plays in the game with the quarterback that you have, the game you're stacking, like that's the approach. So you know, focus on RSJ and Kelsey. But if you have Lamar, who I like, you stack him with Mark Andrews, and then you bring it back with, or you could. You know, do Lamar and Marquis Brown and bring him out with Jared Cook or, or one of these other guys. So I would say 
be cognizant of stacking with tight end if you're not going to just play hashtag the best plays, which are Kelsey and RSJ. Before we get on to our favorite stacks and props, just got a couple ads to go through people. And this first one is objectively the most important with all due respect to all of our sponsors who I love. But people, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription right now if you use code FANTASY. All the articles, all the tools we bring up, yeah, they're behind a paywall. We need to try to make some money in the year 2021. We're not asking for a lot, and we're giving you 25% off any sub if you use code FANTASY. So, look, we do the podcast. They're free. A lot of the article content is free. Think of this as just a way of filling in any extra holes you might like. As much, you know, we do a start-sit stream every Sunday. I try to take two days out of the week, sit down for 20, 30 minutes, and answer as many start-sit questions I can get. I'm, I'm telling you right now, guys, Like I'm, I'm sure some of you have sent me some DMs and ads I just don't see. And I do apologize for that, but I, I literally can't get through all this stuff. Neither can Andrew, neither can Dwayne. That's why we set our rankings each and every day, each and every week, making those basically the substitute for start-sit questions. So again, hopefully we can get to your question, but if not, we have the weekly player ranks to help you set your lineups. If we didn't go over the DFS plays you were thinking about, we have roster ship projections. We have a lineup optimizer. We have Andrew's DFS cheat sheet where he goes even more in depth than what we do on this podcast. Strength of schedule for every fantasy player. Expected points. I guarantee you that if you get this subscription, you will be a smarter fantasy and real life in real life fan. And truly, people, 25% off. All you got to do is use code fantasy. So if none of this matters to you and you just like the podcast and you want to say, hey, how can I give back? This is how. So support the pod. Use code fantasy for 25% off any sub. Always appreciate the listeners out there. Always appreciate the feedback. And again, I don't think this is a big ask and this will help you. I spent... 20 bucks this morning on donuts and coffee for myself and my girlfriend. You can get this sub for half that, and I guarantee you it's going to help you longer than those donuts and coffee are going to help me. Although it was some good coffee, so I don't want to hate on my guys there. And also, people... Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Last year's zero time, the NFL was in 1943. Seems like a no-brainer to me. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Throw it on $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See jockings.com. So sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also the Fantasy Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home. Plan to start a family. Wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. And finally, it's football season, baby. You know what that means. We're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped. Listening through hairs has never been easier. Easier, it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Three and out the window for all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Code PFF. Andrew, what is your favorite stack of the entire week six main slate? No, it's maybe seems obvious, but you know, I think enough or not enough people play it. And it's just Mahomes double stacks with Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. It worked in week one, it worked in week four, and I'm going to in week six. And the bring back, or at least for right now, I'm going to try to mix in some Terry McLaurin, but is RSJ going double tight end? I know it's the suboptimal move in most weeks, but every week is different, every slate is different. And I think yeah. it actually is an optimal approach this week going double tight end with Mahomes. Um, in a tournament again the value is obviously with Heineke and cash but I'm shooting for that ceiling with Mahomes so yeah I'm stacking this Washington football team Chiefs game all over the place great day to be great and great day to stack Mahomes with whoever I'm gonna go with that Chargers stack Justin Herbert Mike Williams Keenan Allen who are we gonna bring up back with underpriced Mark Andrews so gets you off some of the more chalkier tight end options I think a lot of people are gonna be more on Eckler as opposed to this passing game and again I'm just not afraid of this Ravens pass defense when they are as banged up as they are at the moment so 
Now, Andrew, the moment everyone's been waiting for because you are 6-2 and two on the season with your props. You nailed Trey Lance under passing yards last week. You missed on Damian Harris over by one and a half yards because he <laughs> suffered chest and rib injuries. Ramondre Stevenson ended up getting like 10 or 11 carries. So I think it's safe to say the process was uh, right all the way around. This week, what do you have for the faithful listeners? All right. So I mentioned, talked about Joe Burrow and how the PFF projections absolutely love him. And the props don't. The the, the, the lines do not love Joe Burrow uh, at prizepicks.com. His line is still at 264 and a half passing yards. I, I'm smashing the over on that all day long. I think that we talked about them him being a great GP heat play. And the reason I may not play him in many terms is because I've probably bet his over on his passing yards prop too many times already. So I might have just, I might leave my Joe Burrow exposure just to the player props. And then for my under of the week, because you know, the value is always in unders most of the time. Unders suck to yeah. bet them, but more often than you, I kind of want to do an experiment. You just blindly bet unders, you'll probably end up having a pretty high ROI. So Correct. for <laughs> the under, I'm going to go with Damian Williams under 56 and a half rushing yards. So this line has moved on prize picks that I'm looking right now. It's actually moved to 50. So I know that I made the right bet at the time. And the article comes out now every Wednesday. Uh, so make sure you follow myself and Ben Brown do a prize picks props article. So you can get the earliest line so that you can get them before they move. Um, so if you can find another line where Damian Williams is still up around 56 and a half, 58, um, I think he's a good under there. I mean, Khalil Herbert had a ton of carries in that game. And if the Bears are trailing, I don't know if they can stick to the run game as much. Um, they may have to throw the ball a little bit more. So I'm going to take the under on Damian Williams. And then just as a fun prop on prize picks, because you can get fantasy points under over. Dan Arnold, seven fantasy points, taking the over because it's full point PPR. And guys, Dan Arnold, he he had the routes run last week. He is the tight end one for Jacksonville in London. Hey, have some fun. Wake up wake up 9.30 a.m., watch Dan Arnold score seven fantasy points, and have money. So, yeah, that's those are the picks. Oh, I didn't even realize we have another London game this week until uh, this second. That is absurd. <laughs> and, I, and I can't believe, man, you talked about Dan Arnold more than anyone else in this industry throughout the summer, and he was on pace to do more or less nothing in Carolina, but now he just has the snaps around. Bro. He lost a fumble that got returned for a touchdown on their first drive last week, and it just didn't matter. They kept feeding him because uh, Dan Arnold. And I will say, Andrew, you made a fantastic call, and I gave you credit on this very podcast, even when you weren't here. Deontay Harris, your boy, 70-yard toady last Two week. Snaps. Mentioned the wide receiver <laughs> cornerback uh, advantage, and it came through. Did he pull his hamstring on that play? Yeah. No, it was, it was that right. play. It was one of the, I mean, he only ran two routes and one, right. of, them was a, one of them was a 74 yard touchdown. I was giddy. I, I was like, boom, the process, the, the wide receiver quarterback matchup chart, the target share, it all worked out. And then, uh, and then again, he got hurt. That, that sucks. But Hey, I was, I was happy. I was on cloud nine, like early window, one o'clock. I was like, oh my God, this is the best. The happiest I was last Sunday was I bet Malcolm Brown under rushing yards. Oh, same. Like 20 and they just. Didn't give him the ball the whole game. I was like, oh, there's Miles. There's Gaskin again. There's Gaskin again. This is this is easy. Why don't I just, you know, why don't we just bet on the things that go right every single week, Andrew? Like, I know, it's, it's that easy, right? Play the best plays. That's what I got to do. Play the best plays every week. Not that hard of a game, people. Well, Andrew, you have multitude of articles out every single week. People can find your fantasy football, start them or sit them. Your buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities. Of course, your weekly fantasy ranks, you grind out a waiver column on Mondays and you also have your DFS cheat sheet out for the people on Friday. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I'll just say with the DFS cheat sheet, I added in the salaries for FanDuel as well. So I'm cross-referencing expected fantasy points and the FanDuel salaries. I know I had a couple of people asking if I could add in FanDuel just to the graphs because there's a lot of data viz in the, in the DFS cheat sheet. So I was like, hey, I'll do it. I'll pull them in. So if you're a FanDuel player and you want to see where values kind of stick out based on a player's expected fantasy points, those are now included in the DFS cheat sheet. So go check it out, pff.com. And as always, I'm on Twitter, at Andrew Erickson underscore. Can never forget the underscore. Never 
forget the underscore. Great stuff, Andrew. You can find my four weekly articles, QB predictions, snaps, and efficiency from every single backfield, wide receiver, cornerback, breakdown, plus tight end analysis, and my favorite article, Mismatch Manifesto, where I basically take all the goodness from those and combine it into one free. I think there was like 48 key section notes that you can check out pretty easily all over at pff.com. And yeah, if you guys have any suggestions for more things you'd like to see in any of those articles, any of Andrew's articles, just let us know. We want to have the best product. And if you have an idea to make it better, I am all ears or all eyes since you'll probably write it. Now I'm just making a fool of myself for Andrew, for myself. Just thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.